Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be looking at Spidey Comics from August of 1983. That's right, and we are back on track with the regular monthly Spider-Man comics. We're going to start off this week with Amazing Spider-Man, but before we do that, I'd like to introduce our very special guest, one of the biggest comic book fans in Windsor, Ontario, Kevin Morris. Thank you. Great to be here. Kevin, just for the record, just so everyone knows, give us a rough estimate of how many comic books you own. I own 10 comic books now. No, I'm just kidding. Excellent. Thousands. Thousands. All right. But you don't want anyone to break into your house. You're not going to tell us where you live. We understand. That's fine. We're going to talk about... Okay, we're going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man first. Now, Kev, I know that you're a huge Spidey fan. Just for the record, tell us, what was your first issue of Spider-Man? It was Peter Parker... Spectacular Spider-Man 129 that I purchased. That was my first one. And then I got into Amazing Spider-Man and Web of Spider-Man. And it just went Spider-Man crazy. You know what's funny is even though you're older than me, you must. so you got into Spidey after me because I started a little bit before. Yeah, that. I didn't get into really the comics. Like I was in the G.I. Joe comics first in the mid-80s, okay. like 86, 87. I think it was around summer of 87, I remember, that I got into Spider-Man comics. Uh, so that's when I I think it was right before the wedding or it proposes to Mary Jane. So like two eighty nine, two ninety. Wow, these are good times. Okay, so we're not quite at that point yet. <laughs> we're still a little bit earlier in Spidey's history, uh, but this is arguably the peak or one of the peaks of the eighties. Uh, this is Roger Stern and John Romita Jr., who listeners of our show are all very familiar with. We've been talking about him for forty seven weeks in a row now. And uh, okay, so basically in this issue, this is the big return of Mary Jane Watson. And we talked about this last time. And we're going to pick it up from here. So Peter Parker is making out with, who is this again? Amy Powell? Amy Josh? Powell, yeah, that's uh, Bannon's girlfriend. Right, okay. So he's in the middle of making out with Amy Powell. Mary Jane comes in. She's been gone for several years in the comic book. And uh, we get a classic soap opera scene of, you know, um, jealousy and accusations and jokes and basically, now, Mary Jane and Peter are not a couple, and so she's not visibly upset about it. She's kind of just more joking around about it. But what we end up clarifying is that Amy was really just doing this to make Lance Bannon jealous. Lance Bannon is Peter Parker's rival at the Daily Bugle. And so um, Peter kind of um, explains what's going on to Mary Jane. She takes off, and it's, I love this scene because Mary Jane had actually brought like food for like a picnic, and just as she's leaving, he's like, Oh, well, well, at least I don't have to worry about what to do for dinner. And he grabs a, a chicken leg out and starts munching away on it. I love that. Then we get some classic Spidey action, setting up, putting on his costume, putting on his web shooters, and then going out. And then we get another classic scene. I love seeing this where we get Spidey um, chatting with Dr. Kurt Connors, who's a professor at uh, Empire State University. And he touches base with him because he wants to analyze. What is this again? This is a piece of the robot that he had uh, recently fought, uh, I believe, right. in the previous issue. And I love, uh, let's clarify, Spidey does not have a Fortress of Solitude or a Batcave, so he cannot do this himself. He's got to bring it to someone else, a friend, right? I love the fact that he's kind of a, you know, he's a, 
a more realistic grounded superhero he's more low rent he doesn't have the resources so he has to get friends so then he goes in and he sees uh who is this the dean or yeah uh, the the yeah. head of the head of the science department the right uh Who, he yeah the guy the guy that's been kind of like uh talking to peter about how he's failing and his marks right. aren't you know doing so great so right who who, be, who peter parker is familiar with but spider-man has only officially met once so it's just kind of cool so he sneaks in a little peek at his grade he's all happy so he takes off we get a classic scene of Peter Parker's happy now because he did good on his exam. So now he starts swinging around the city. And then we, uh, we ha- and it's a superhero comic, so we have to have some fisticuffs. And so we cut over to these, these uh, sort of terrorists that have taken over this church. Spidey uh, intervenes and saves the day. Sorry, I just had a fly. Oh, yeah, for those that don't know, we're actually outside. That's why you hear birds chirping. <laughs> um, and so I just had a fly in my hand. But anyway, so then we cut back to the Daily Bugle, some scenes with Ben Urich. And then, of course, he visits Black Cat, which I think Black Cat's now been in the hospital for three years, uh, by my God. estimate. But it's been a long time. They're dragging the subplot out as long as possible, but that's okay. So he touches base with her, and then we get some more Spidey swinging action. We touch base with, uh, what's his name, Roger Hawkberg, who's been a supporting character for a, a couple years now. And, um, and then basically, this is a weird issue, because at this point in the story, I felt like we were kind of just really getting into it and in this issue he'd kind of already previously decided that he was going to um quit school but then at the last minute he gets this notice that he's been accepted to kind of further his studies and then we have this little narration there comes times in all of our lives when we must consider our options and make decisions hard decisions and once those decisions are made for good or bad we must live with them all the days of our lives and then we see a very rare thing in comics at this time we see the title of the comic at the end of the book and we see the credits story by roger stern art by john Romita jr and dave uh, simons and then that's the end of the issue so this is a you know a fairly serious issue and the big plot twist is that peter for the first time um since whenever he started college which was years ago he's actually dropping out now so this is like a big deal and that is the end of it and the only thing i can say is that the ending came at a weird time and it definitely didn't feel like it was the end of the issue but other than that i thought this was a really good issue and um because this is kevin's first episode kev i'd like you to give your brief review of this comic and what you thought of it um overall i i I did like it i i think there was a lot in this this comic i found and going back to and reading it and i mean obviously you know with marvel comics and there was always kind of a continuation stories or larger plot lines but i think the one thing i did like and they were always very good at that in the older issues is kind of bringing people in the reader that maybe he's just grabbing this issue off the newsstand up to speed on who's who. Um, you, you see him explain things to Mary Jane. He explains kind of subtly, this is Mary Jane who I was slightly engaged, you know, or, you know, engaged to. Um, so I brought up with that thing in terms of who these people are and to get that backstory. And there seems to be a lot, there's a lot of things going on in his, is just in general life as you were summarizing but also got a little bit of action in there and then that hard choice of you know do i stay in school or not stay in school for you know for for black cat um and i so i think there there's definitely a lot in there in that story and um overall i I enjoyed it um as usual i the artwork was i enjoyed the artwork the panels the flow of them there's a lot of great shots and i the nice thing was 
it's been a while trying to recognize who the artist is and, and who's writing it and then at the end to see the credits and there were two of my favorites back in the day so see roger stern and i love this this run of the the, the spider-man comics i although i started a little bit later i went back and my goal was to get every issue from 200 up so i i always enjoyed this whole run of spider-man and, and peter parker and all the things he was dealing with at the time so overall i i enjoyed it um but you know it could be a, it could be a little too much for some people it was bouncing around a little bit right. but for me i think it was trying to bring up the speed on a lot of different things and to do that in one issue i, th- I thought was kind of you know it was pretty impressive all right, G.I. Jolie, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Um, you're kind of coming in in the middle of a story, but what did you think of this issue? Um, I... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that cat, small child, uh, <laughs> in the background of wherever you are, is like a mirror into my soul. Um, I just, I saw the cover and it, it was like, options. Who names? Oh, options. Mary Jane this blonde woman who is definitely not Deb, like, uh, <laughs> do you know what? I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as it's in the middle of what's going on, I, it, it wasn't hard to kind of get caught up. Like, you know, Peter's still a philanderer. Um, mm-hmm. he's still kind of like this obnoxious, uh, student. I do what the last I heard, the last that I left him at, he wasn't a student. I don't remember him being in university yet. So, yeah, apparently three months has gone by. I was actually surprised to see that Black Cat was still in the hospital. That's kind of weird. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, that, that's happened. Like, I took a pretty long hiatus, and that mm-hmm. woman is still in the hospital? Is that some yeah. kind of, is that some kind it, of joke? <laughs> well, I mean, on one hand, you got to consider it's not real time. It's comic book time. But on the other hand, to see someone in the same situation for like 17 issues in a row is a little ridiculous. It's tedious for the reader, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, the way that I've been reading the books, it doesn't seem like a lot of time has passed because I'm reading them pretty rapidly. I don't have to wait. This was a monthly comic, so I don't have to right. like... I don't have to wait month to month to find out. So it hasn't really technically been years, but I mean, they should have written her out of that hospital a long ass time ago. But anyway, right. um, uh, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of characters. I didn't really care much for like mm-hmm. this other woman and his photography rival, like um, at his place of employment, like, Ooh, freelancer drama. Like, okay. <laughs> How does that guy get better? There's no way that that guy gets better pictures than Spider-Man. Like, that's impossible. Anyway. Um, so it's like, that was kind of a write-off. Um, and other than that, like, the drama, like the the underlying action and then where it kind of took him kind of went nowhere. Like, he just is web-slinging around town because he likes the breeze in his hair. And he happens upon, like, this organized... This organization who's clearly not American from... and And he saves, like, this whole congregation of people from being held captive. But, like, no one knows why they're being held hostage. So that's kind of strange. Like... It's kind yeah. of just thrown in there to have some action. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like watching 
like three back-to-back episodes of a soap opera. And like, you know how you kind of get like a bit of a headache when you've been watching too much TV? Uh-huh. That's what I felt like. It was Interesting. Like, okay, time to put this down. But I mean, the art is spectacular. Inspiring. Yes. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, Josh, uh, we obviously talk about Amazing Spider-Man every, almost every episode. But what's your take on this particular issue? So, surprisingly, I really didn't like this issue. I normally really, really love. I, I normally really love Amazing, uh, but okay. for some reason, I think it's just because we've been reading Amazing for so long, and they've been dragging their feet on all of these stories. But this just like it felt like nothing new has happened in this issue. It it almost felt like a catch up for anybody who hasn't read Amazing yet. Sure. To kind of be like, look at this is what Spider Man's all about, and like nothing really happens. Um, even even like the 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 climactic conclusion of like MJ walking in on him kissing another woman. It right. Nothing really bad happened from it. Like, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, right. but she's just kind of like, yeah, no problem. I came back to drop off the key, and she left. Like, it's just I I don't know. It, nothing really, you know, that that drama that was a cliffhanger from last issue, it didn't really cause that much grief or cause any drama. Um, and then uh, later on, yeah, we, we see him stop these terrorists who are, like, holding up a church. Um, and he just takes them down, no problem. It doesn't really have anything that ties into the story. And then he's swinging through the city and... Uh, he goes to see Black Cat again as she's in the hospital. I think every single issue this month, she's yeah. in the hospital and he goes and visits her and it's the same thing. <laughs> like, nothing happens when he goes to visit her. Visit her. It's just to show the readers, again, she's in the hospital. Like, yeah, we, we know. We we know that she's in the hospital. You know, she's been in the hospital for so long. Like, every time she gets better, Doc Ock comes and pulls her cords and she's got to go back in ICU and then she's better. And then he comes and pulls the cords and she's back in ICU. Like, it's just, I feel like maybe they just didn't know what they wanted to do yet. So they were stalling or uh, I don't know. It it just, I don't know. This issue for me really dragged. And then even the art, surprisingly, I, I love John Romita Jr. There were, there were parts in this issue where the, like some of the faces looked so off. And yes, and I, I really noticed that. Felt but like did, out of place. But did you uh, see who inked it? No, I didn't. Dave Simons, I, who we've never heard of before. Interesting. Because I, I okay. noticed the art, yeah, was a step down from usual for sure. Yeah, like in particular on page, uh, original page 17, uh, it's when he's talking to Black Cat, there's an image of MJ behind Black Cat. And... Uh, MJ looks awful. Like, she looks... Wait. Original page... Se- er... Original page 17. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, Where I see it. She calls him Tiger, and it evokes memories. But but Ugh. that, like, that image of MJ behind her looks really rough. Like, it's... Yeah, it's pretty terrible. It's not good. And then even earlier on, there's, like, a couple of shots... Like, the, the previous page, that first panel with Peter... That doesn't mm-hmm. look like Peter. Like it, it's rough. Yeah, it's it's really rough. I don't know. I, I think that, as usual, the storytelling and the layout of the panels is fantastic. Right. Um, I think any time that uh, Peter's got the costume on, it looks great. Um, 
so for the most part, it's really good. But for some reason, there were just moments where the faces really stood out as being not so good. So I don't know. Yeah, all in all, I really didn't enjoy this one. Well, and I also I, go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say it's it's surprising because I normally really love amazing. I also want to give a quick memo to modern day Spidey fans um, that think that Mary Jane calls people Tiger or Peter Tiger. No, everybody called everyone Tiger in the 1960s when that original first appearance of Mary Jane was written because Stanley was trying to write like hip teenagers in the 1960s and she called everybody Tiger. And so this, I, I just think it's funny that whenever they have Mary Jane, they're like, oh yeah, make sure she calls Peter Tiger. Even though if you go back to those stories, she probably called everybody Tiger. And if we ever get around to reviewing those 60s issues, we're going to prove that. But anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Oh, I didn't realize that was a thing. Like, yeah, and yeah. Her, her very first line to Peter, she says, face it, Tiger, you've just hit the jackpot. Right, Kev? Yeah, there was a lot of, yeah, Stanley mm-hmm. definitely was trying to stick in with the, the cool, groovy lingo right. from the 60s. And so I think even in the movies, Mary Jane always calls Peter Tiger. But it's like, no, it's because it's just because in that time, Stanley was trying to imitate teen slang miserably. But I think think they continued it on, though. It's just something that they had a Mm -hmm. connection between each other and Mary Jane is really what happened. Right? It wasn't intended for that. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I, I think it's kind of become like that, that staple for MJ and it's become MJ's thing. Right, or maybe right, before right. it was just kind of to be hip, but I think they, the the writers kind of took that and, and ran with it because right. it's definitely something that's recognizable for that character. Right, right. Okay, so to wrap up this issue, I will just say not the strongest issue of Amazing, but because it's actually one of the first issues I owned, because when I was going back and digging through back issue boxes, this is one of the first ones I owned and I have fond memories of it. I will recommend it because as a... 13 or 14 year old it definitely was fine for me then so i think it's a decent issue of amazing but not great so i would recommend it kevin would you recommend it yeah i, I would i'd still recommend it but yeah it's it's i think there's some things in it that weren't super exciting but overall i enjoyed it sweet gi jolie what do you think uh, pass like just <laughs> skip it i mean the skip. cover is fun um but i if you're gonna read it read like an original because this recoloring is bull it's terrible. Yeah, it's flat. Uh, yep. It's not good. And, I mean, and, it makes it easier to read, sure, but, like, it's bad. Right. They need to figure that out because they haven't figured it out yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Joshua Mervell, do you recommend this issue? No, I don't think I would. And I, I think it's just because nothing really happens in this issue. And I'm positive next issue they're going to recap and retell the story of him uh, quitting school, dropping right. out of school. So, like... I think that you can completely skip this one and have no consequences. And I, it wasn't offensive enough where I hated it, but I just like, eh, I don't think it was good enough to recommend. You're like a little bothered though. <laughs> I, just... I think the the reason why I'm bothered though, is because I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading these stories so close together mm. and, and nothing like the, there's not like they keep repeating stories where it's, if yeah. I was, I don't know. Maybe if it was spread out monthly, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But I feel like it's just because they're, I'm reading them in such a condensed amount of time. And Black Cat, nothing is happening. Peter, nothing is happening. These these stories where like he's got these like 
love problems. They they don't really end up having any consequences. No. Or any but now, like, big problems. Can you imagine waiting four weeks as a kid? Because obviously time moves slower when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine um, reading this as a kid and then waiting four weeks? Like, would it feel better or worse, the fact that you waited four weeks? That's true. It might be worse. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> oh, just for, for the listener. F- Go ahead, Julie. If I waited four weeks and this was the issue I got, knowing that half of this stuff already happened before and then <laughs> next month half of this stuff is going to happen again, then I would be as bothered as Josh. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then oh. I would just, like, go and watch TV or something. <laughs> just just for the record, for the listeners at home, um, there's a Garfield cat around my neighborhood and it just walked by in the alley. But anyway. <laughs> it's very cute. No one can see the Garfield cat. But anyway. Okay, okay. so now we are going to move on to the next issue. And, you know, I would love to have Kevin help us summarize these issues, but oh, I realize <laughs> Kevin does not have them in front of him because I have my yeah. laptop and you don't have anything. So yeah. we're going to do the usual. We're going to get Joshua Mervell. I know you love Marvel Team Up, Josh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so we start this issue with uh, Mr. Fantastic. He's fiddling around in the in the uh, Baxter building. Uh, the Thing and uh, a Human Torch are out on a date. And Sue has taken their son to go see relatives out of town. So he's Reed's got the place to himself. And then who walks in but Reed's uh, uh, psychotic nephew, I believe, is, is yes. the way that he describes him. Um, yes. <laughs> he, he's, like, broken out of an insane asylum. And uh, this guy, their, their nephew is this... Um, super villain called the everyman right uh and he wears this terrifying plain mask because he wants to be like he wants any person to relate to him anyways he he some he all of a sudden has these like strength powers and he's fighting mr fantastic and he blasts him with this ray and it takes away his um his like super intelligence uh, so then we cut to Spider-Man. He's swinging across New York. He wants to go talk to Reed Richards. And when he goes, he sees Reed laying on the ground. And uh, the two of them team up to stop every man. Every man kind of goes in front of a, a mob. And he starts inciting these people to kind of uh, join him. And he fights the police. And then he starts shooting civilians. <sighs> then, I don't know. It's just... They they stop him. They they punch him out and and they make him realize that he's causing more harm and he's not the everyman because he's harming the everyman and he runs off. Reed figures out how to take his intelligence back at the end of the day by this Deus Ex Machina machine and that's it. <laughs> that's uh, Marvel team up this week. <laughs> yeah. Um... You're not angry at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so G.I. Jolie, it's been a few weeks since you've been with us. What did you think of this month's issue of Marvel Team Up? Oh uh, Mike, we God. can't hear you really well, eh? <laughs> yeah, you're, Again. you're muted. Oh. But I heard you. Okay. Yeah. I heard you, yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> I took a lengthy, wonderful break from Marvel Team Up and then got to read this 
Classic. Welcome back. Oh, good to be here. Um, <laughs> do you know what? We didn't hate this. It was yeah. so ri- it was so ridiculous and stupid that I kind of liked it a little bit. Like, oh, it's so bad. But in a way, th- there's just something like um, nutty and nonsensical that I was like, okay, this works. Something about all of this terribleness kind of works a little bit. Like Larry, whose <laughs> nephew is named Larry. Also, Josh didn't mention, but it's called the Absorbiscan. That's yes. that's mm. the the gun. Very dangerous. Been, oh yes, that has been. <laughs> Um, that's the gun that he's been given to somebody whose identity remains a mystery to us. Maybe oh, right, you, yeah. But, like, he's been given it by somebody. I thought for a while, I was like, oh, he was like, I got it from the doctor. I was like, oh, does he mean Reed? Did he steal that from Reed's lab? Like, nice, nice family. Like, but no, he got it from some guy who, who I'm assuming we'll find out, like, oh, in three or four issues so a month um who that is but um let's see um he's just so backwards the moment he put that stupid mask on i was living i was he's like it has no features because i want everyone to identify with me okay so (laughs) you've no eyebrows it's peach toned um, you look terrifying. Like, I just, it, everything about this guy and what he thinks is just, like, really ill thought out. <laughs> like, it's like he didn't, I don't know, he broke out of an insane asylum? Cool. He obviously didn't spend all that time thinking about what he is doing. <laughs> I don't know. But I loved it. It was stupid. Um, the team-up wasn't obnoxious. Do you know what? I think that's why I'm here for this book. Because I liked the team-up. I think Mr. Fantastic really works well on his own. Well, yeah, l- let me just say, oh, oh, go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, I think what, what I liked about it is because his strength is always his um, his smarts. Like, his superpower is, like, the elasticity to be able to stretch. But, like, really, it is his intelligence that always gets him out of trouble at the end of the day. So taking that away is really fun. I don't know if they really did it super great, but, like, it worked. Yeah, like, he was really tortured when he realized he was kind of, like, normal. He's like, oh, God, I'm so expendable. Right, and and I think... (laughs) (laughs) Right, and and I I think it's kind of... It kind of plays off of Reed's ego pretty well. Like, I I think that maybe they were... I don't know what they were trying to do, but knowing Reed and like how big of an ego he has and how he can be kind of like cocky and rude sometimes it was kind of nice to see that and like seeing the fact that that was taken away from him and he's kind of going a little bit insane from it well okay let's uh I just want to hear from Kevin because Kev you have read many Marvel team-ups I think in fact you've probably read all the Marvel team-ups you know I've read a few here and there. That's probably the one issue I still haven't finished all of them. And this was one I hadn't read yet. Really? Uh, yeah, I had it there, okay. and it was funny. Is it was great that you selected because I was like, "Oh, right, I haven't, I haven't read this one yet." Um, what are they? What sixty cents back then? Yeah, yeah. I I would advise on this issue probably not to spend the sixty cents. This Ooh. of all the three, 
I just did not care for. Part of it is, I'm a little confused what we were talking about, you know, Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards with his intelligence. Because it, it was saying it sapped the power from him as... Or is it just his intelligence itself? I was trying to understand. Like, took the because he was always intelligent. He built a rocket ship to go get the cosmic ray. Like, he was always right. brilliant. Right, so right, right. I was kind of like, what's it taking away for, from him, and then what is it taking away from others? And I, I think the problem with this issue was you have a viewership that is that usually the, the back in the day eight to twelve year olds. That's you know, I mean, you had the older two, but that's who they try to. But I think there's trying to there's. There's like a political message in this, obviously. If, right. if you And trying to put a political message in a venture action comic like Spider-Man and towards children, um, I think it. I think it kind of backfired the way they did it. I don't know what it was. It just it, it kind of they were forcing it into to me the action of, of, of the story to some degree. It just it just felt like it just didn't flow. It, it kind of jumped right in. Um, yeah, his his nephew comes in, and all of a sudden, all this. You know, everything happens to Reed Richards and he runs out and now he's doing a political speech on the steps, uh, you know, of, of downtown there. And Spider-Man's trying to help Reed Richards, um, you know, with this. And I thought it was interesting because for me, Reed Richards has always been more of a calm, wise. He seemed obviously, yes, he was having a difficult time and kind of emotional over not having his the intelligence so far and frustrated, which was interesting. But I didn't know if it's really in character to him. I it just felt... It didn't. It just didn't feel right, and I feel like it, and a lot of the Marvel team ups were like that. They were kind of. I find they're put in there quick. It's to get uh, guest mm-hmm. stars together and try to put a story around and sell the comic based on who the. It's Spider Man plus uh, you know another popular Marvel character, um, but yeah, I, I had a. I just did not. I could not get into this story. I don't know why. Everything's just. It was. I, I enjoy the you know so called classic cheese ball, <laughs> his name Everyman. But I, I, I wasn't big on the mask. I wasn't big on. The name, everything, just really. This is. I, I read it and I went, oh, okay, you know. Well, there there could be a very simple explanation, and that's the name of the scripter. Yes. And that is J M Demetrius. Uh, when you hear that name, what do you think of Kev? Are you familiar with J M Demetrius? Never heard of him except Craven's Last Stand, and he's I, written a I lot. I thought I thought that you'd <laughs> read every Marvel comic ever published, but maybe not. Okay, so J M Demetrius. Just so you know, he was he wrote tons of Defenders. He wrote Captain America with Mike Zack. Right. And then he did Justice League International, the funny one. He was the dialogue writer, okay? Let me just say, he also did Moonshadow later on. I don't remember Moonshadow. It was like a vertical title. Yeah, and you have to, I have to admit, like, for me, you know, I've read millions, but for me, for mm-hmm. artists and writers, it, it, I'm not always great with the name. I just enjoy the story. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm horrible that way. So. <laughs> no, but um, here's the thing. Obviously, James Demetrius got good later on. I think Julie and Josh, you can attest to this. We've read some of his defenders, and they were horrendous. We're talking yeah. about the era with Valkyrie and um, who else was in there? Hellcat. When they yeah. when they go to hell, and it's just drawn by Don Perlin. It's some of the worst stuff yeah. we've ever read. Oh my god! And it's funny you mention that because that's kind of how I felt. Reading, I, I I'm like it, this reminds me of some style and some. I was trying to think of the which title it was. That a run that had a similar thing. There you go. And I was yeah. like, as soon as you said that, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, that's yep, that's exactly I right. I feel that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay, so we all agree the story is substandard, but I gotta say, I don't hate this. Like compared to most Marvel team ups, it's a little bit better than average. Right. Right. Like it, the villain's not terrible. There's a little bit of subtext. I don't mind that. It's not great, but I don't hate it. 
Um, and I think that I think the problem is is we're we're comparing it to other Marvel team ups, where like I'm not comparing it to like I'm not I'm not judging it by itself as a comic book, and I think that's why I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I I like I almost enjoyed it more because it was funny how bad it was like i think that's why i i was like you know what this one's not bad i think it's just because i've been tortured for so long with these marvel team-ups i'm finally just like this is kind of funny sure yeah that's a good one sure this is good yeah and it's been a while for me for marvel team-ups reading them so it was kind of the first one and there's right uh, there are ones i don't think i've read them all just because i was always filling in some holes and i was so i was excited i was like i think i got myself too excited about it i'm like all right i haven't read this marvel team-up yet and then i was like oh okay all right yeah (laughs) it's like if you're getting caned this is like the least painful lash on your back right that's like a paper cut (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, but one thing I gotta say before we uh, go to the next <laughs> Sorry, comic. Sorry, you just compared it to a flogging, so I'm yeah. just, I'm still in there. That thought. I just want to ask. Um, I want to talk about the art quick because I am a huge fan of Sal Buscema. He is our pal, Sal, and Joel, Joel, G.I. Julie. I want to know what you think of the art on this issue compared to the other Marvel team of that you've read. Um, I didn't hate this art. Uh, the, like, a lot of really expressive faces. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of really, like, cliche superhero poses, though. Right. Which, I mean, they, he isn't, he's attributed with being a, a part of the, like, founders of the style. But, like, um... Other than that, I just, I'm really, I was really excited by the faces, even though every man's mask is not a face. Right, right, right. Um, and then I love how they describe that he was smirking and smiling underneath it. It's like, oh my God, this is, this guy is ridiculous. When can I marry him? Um, let's see. Yeah. So like, aside from like the cliched superhero poses, which he does very well, I think the art's okay. It's good. Um, it didn't take me out of the story. Like so many other team ups um, have been rendered, so that's a super plus. Yeah. All right, Joshua Mervell, what did you think of this art? Um, yeah, I actually kind of liked it. Um, as goofy as it was, there were some really fun things with every man's mask. Like, right. I, I don't know why. I don't know why, but it it worked for me, and I think it was because when he when in that first confrontation with uh, Mister Fantastic. He he grabs that gun, and he has like, like the the flat expression, like the right, line right, for a right. face, and then he's zapping. It like cuts to uh, Mister Fantastic. He's being zapped. It cuts back to him again. It's that like serious, expressionless face, and right, then right, the right. next panel after that is like Reed in like the the like most pain he's ever been in. Like, complete anguish. His face is in, like, red and orange and yellow, and there's, like, explosions coming out of his mind because his, his like, intelligence is being ripped out yeah, of him. Yeah, and just, right. like, that juxtaposition, it it's kind of weirdly dark. Um, I yes. think maybe by itself it works better than <laughs> when you're looking at it as a whole. But I, I like, maybe this could work in a, in a different story or with different writing because it's just... It could be creepy. I think it's just a little too goofy. But anyways, the, the art the art works. I think I think it's pretty good. Right, like yeah. uh, like a goof with uh, Jedulie said. There's a lot of cliched poses, a lot of cliche expressions, but 
that tells the story right mm-hmm. and it makes it fun and but cliche for cliche for this story works though right you know right. what i mean i, I if, if, if it's gonna be a corny story like this with like the, the what was the gun called the absorber oh, scan. Uh, the scan. <laughs> I want. I want my comic book to look like this. If they're going to be talking about an absorber scan, I, that like it, I think it completely works. The the cliche poses, they're great. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I, didn't Calvin and Hobbes have a have an absorber scan? I think. <laughs> Probably. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to say this is not a great comic, but compared to other Marvel team ups. Especially because of Salbusema, I do recommend this issue. Uh, G.I. Julie, do you recommend this issue? Yep, it's one of the best. Um, the the pathetic nature of Larry the Everyman <laughs> will <laughs> amuse you. Yep. Oh, God. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, brown Joshua, suit. <laughs> Joshua Mervell, do you recommend this issue? If, I, if, I'm, if somebody were to ask me, hey... Um, can you recommend me some good comic books? I would not recommend this one. But if somebody said, hey, can you recommend me some good Marvel team-ups? This would be the top on the list. <laughs> All right, there you go. There you go. Okay. Um, Kevin, do you recommend this comic? What do you I think? would say save your 60 cents. Ooh, harsh <laughs> oh. criticism from right. Windsor, Ontario's biggest comic book fan. Arguably, arguably. But anyway, okay, so now we're going to jump. Now we're going to jump over to... Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 81. Gia Jolie, are you prepared to summarize the story for us? Oh, totally no. Um, I didn't even read this one. <laughs> you, you didn't what? I, I didn't read this one. I think you missed that part of the conversation earlier where I was like, <laughs> I can only talk about one and two. So oh. we'll be here in spirit and okay. laughs. I'm here for the laughs. So Okay. Might have to <laughs> You're be someone else. Laps. Okay. Um, I wish Kev. Kev, do you want to summarize this one? Here, you can take my laptop. That's, that's okay. You can go ahead. <laughs> okay. 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 So, how about this, Josh? You and I mm-hmm. will Marvel team up, and we will team up and review this comic. We will don't, summarize it. Don't together. ever involve me in Marvel team up ever again. I do not recommend you do summary that. Summary of, of Peter Parker, and you can jump in anytime. Okay. Right? Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> So on the cover, we see Cloak and Dagger, whom we all love because they're so cool. Mm-hmm. And then we crack it open, and we've got the Punisher here. And this is back in the old days when the Punisher was kind of a bad guy, right? Like, he was kind of basically a Spider-Man villain. Mm-hmm. And so we cut into um, whatever prison this is, and we, uh, we see that uh, Boomerang is in prison, and he's right across the way, or the hallway, or whatever it's called, from uh, Frank Castle, the Punisher. And they actually plan an escape together and the Punisher helps Boomerang break out and you're like, whoa, this is weird. Punisher's helping Boomerang. And it's funny because um, a bunch of guards come in and they cut and they don't kill the guards. They just beat them up and take off all their clothes, okay? But they leave them with their undershirts and their boxers on. They actually look kind of like the way I dress, like every day. But, um, <laughs> and so then they get out to the top of the prison and then this is where we find out, oh, just when we thought Frank Castle was just a villain. No, he did help Boomerang break out, but he's not going to help him get all the way out of the prison. So he tosses him back into the prison guards, and then he escapes on his own. So now Punisher is out of prison. So then we cut over to Peter Parker. We get some good fun stuff with Peter Parker and his landlady, which we all love to see. But there's a little twist here, because this is Peter Parker, and Peter Parker uh, 
Detective Spider-Man's kind of a darker, realistic comic, we find out that the landlady is actually kicking out um, drug users out of, um, you know, like the apartment. And this is not your ordinary, everyday, you know, you know, doobie-smoking teenagers. This is like some heavy-duty drugs. We see some heroin paraphernalia here. This is back in the 80s when they showed graphic use of drugs, which is they don't do anymore. But anyway, so Peter Parker's like, okay, I got to do something about this. And then we cut over and we see that Cloak and Dagger are also following what's going on. And their main thing is that they are out to get drug users because they were kind of abused and taken advantage of when they were younger or whatever. So they go after these uh, drug users and basically are attacking them. Punisher comes in. And, you know, he's going to intervene. And then Peter Parker, uh, he, he of course, has to go visit Black Cat in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. For the well, second you time missed, this You month. did miss the part where, where Dagger um, shoots the druggies with her daggers and they are cured. And they no longer uh, crave drugs. They're no longer <laughs> addicted. Yeah, she purifies them. She <laughs> purifies them by shooting them with daggers. I wish, if only that which worked, is, right? Which is something we've never seen her do before. They don't really explain or, or, you know, expand upon that, but... Can we just say, at that moment, it's safe to say that superhero comics in 1983 were probably not properly equipped to deal with, you know, these types yeah. of issues. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, because then even right after, the, they're, like, they're celebrating, they're like, finally we're clean. Like... We, you know, we've been kind of like struggling with this burden all these years, and, and we're finally free. And then Frank Castle comes in, he says, too little, too late, thugs, and he just starts beating them up. Right. Like, it's uh, the it's, president it's of the Philippines coming, Philippines coming to save the day here. He's just going to shoot everyone <laughs> in the face. Um, yeah, so anyway, Spidey visits Black Cat in the hospital. And, of course, he has a flashback to the awesome android because we've got to connect these comics together, right, so we know that they're all, you know, one universe, whatever. And then um, <laughs> Spider-Man... I'm, I'm sorry that I'm laughing at this, but it's just so ridiculous. Spider-Man um, swings in on this, like, warehouse, and he finds, like, 10 to 15 of these dr druggies that are all... Yeah, they've been beaten to a pulp. <laughs> and, Cloak and Dagger are there, and once again, Spider-Man and Cloak and the Dagger, Cloak and Dagger have a big disagreement because you know their methods are different or whatever. So they start fighting each other, and Spidey goes into Cloak's uh, cloak, but he's a-okay. And then this is kind of cool because Spider-Man thinks that they did this, but actually, Dagger illuminates the room and shows no, it wasn't us that did this. It was someone else. Oh, no, we see these bullet holes in the wall. And Spidey's like, mercy bullets. But the man who used them didn't show any mercy. He came here to find the source of the drugs. He left to slay that source. And then we cut over to Frank Castle, the Punisher, battle report number 500-89. And so he gives his report to the War Journal, and he's ready to kick some ass. And he's like, I have confirmed what I suspected in prison. The identity of the man behind New York's illegal drug market, the kingpin of crime. Battle report, tonight I will kill the kingpin. And then it says next, the race for the fat man. And that is the end. And let me tell you, 
if I was, you know, five years old in 1983, whatever, I would have been so pumped for the next issue. Joshua Mervell, what did you think of this issue of Peter Parker? Um, I, I think that the writing felt really off to me. Um, okay. like the, the dialogue didn't fit the, the, the story a lot of the times. Okay. And like it, it kept that kind of like corny writing, but having, trying to have a serious tone with the, with the story and the events that are going on. Okay. Um, so it kind of pushed me out a little bit. I really love the, uh, I really love Cloak and Dagger. I, I have loved every single story that um, they've appeared in with Spider-Man. Right, right, uh, right. Spectacular. They've been showing up every every few issues, I think. Um, maybe, right. well, spread out maybe more than just a few issues. Yeah, but, every few, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I thought it was okay. I didn't, I didn't hate it. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was some really good stuff. Again, I don't know what it was. Maybe... I think it was just the the weird kind of corny writing. Like, why why is Spider Man fighting them again? Like, it feels like it feels like Spider Man forgets their powers every single time he confronts them, and he's got a. Right. It's the same fight over and over again, just to be like, oh right, we're friends. It's like it's right. happened every yep. single time they've had that interaction. That's um, a good point. I mean, even. Like okay, so one of the, the corny things that kind of stood out to me was he jumps out of uh, Cloak's cloak, right? And he says, "Ah, you've escaped me. You're the only one who's ever done that." Yeah, like it's just I, I don't know. It it just like it feels a little off reading the dialogue when they're talking about like serious drug uses and more of like the like street level crime and kingpin and frank castle's coming in and just shooting up the place and like we see multiple times a room full of dead bodies but it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't ever feel like there's any weight there right so i i think it's just a little bit disjointed and then maybe that's why i didn't enjoy it as much as the other ones because the the other ones the writing really fit with the dark tone uh, right. the, the visuals were extremely dark and the, uh, again, the events that were happening matched that. So Kevin, are you familiar with Cloak and Dagger? Yes, I've heard of them. Of course. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do. So this is, yeah, you, you know, you, so you, this is an early appearance. Um, does this feel off to you or does this feel like the authentic Cloak and Dagger? Um, yeah. I don't know if there was just enough of them. Like there wasn't enough there of like they're in they're they're in a couple parts, right? It doesn't seem like there's enough to really say. There's a typical yes, his dark dimension that people go through, mm-hmm. um, and I I can't remember her things were supposed to be her light was supposed to be for like this to help the soul. I think if I recall kind of. something powers there's almost like a I don't want to say a religious overtone. Yeah, and it was supposed to be bit. light and dark is the right. the whole thing about them. He's supposed to the tone like kind of tone for their sins or feeling right. the dark yeah there is that religious aspect to it um there wasn't enough there to me for in terms of the characters i felt like i i overall i didn't mind the story i mean because back then i was trying to collect any of the old punisher appearances sure but this is when the punisher was like this he was this anti-hero vigilante that would pop in and out and right. be a nuisance for for you know spider-man and yeah he was pretty 
you know, he had his he had his morals and if you want to call them morals, but it was basically you know if you if you did the you know you were someone who broke the law or whatever you you, you know he'd punish you right? right. So as as that it was exciting to see that and see him in there and breaking out, but uh, it you know it was just everything was yeah I, I have to agree some some of it was a little off. I still enjoyed it though the, the story, like I didn't mind it. There was a lot of you know it's a lot of characters I like, so you, you're kind of like you're kind of getting to it but i think um yeah i could see some of the work you know some of the descriptions were a little they didn't fit per with that tone that i think they were trying to go with the dark the criminal the, the you know more gray than black and white for a typical hero thing and there was one scene i found funny when he was with black black cat and he's right. and there's the picture of all the women behind him right do you notice who's also in that picture? And I don't know. He had a relationship with Dagger. I felt that was really weird. That she's there's a she's drawn in with the women's the heads all at the top. Really? Yeah, oh, you can really? see the eye really? like the. If you go to the scene where it shows all the, you can see her face up there, and I'm kind of okay. Like, wh- wh- why are you in this? <laughs> so I, I don't know. Is this her trying to? Get these characters, you know, they were trying to pump them out and create new characters and see if they can, you know, start their title or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was a little, it was off kilter. Something was, I can't, I can't grasp exactly what it, what it is, but it, it just didn't feel like there was enough substance in some of the areas. If I, if that makes sense, I don't know how to describe mm-hmm. it. It's well. Here's the thing: is the last issue that we read. Uh, of Peter Parker was one of the best of the whole run. It was the the one that was all about Joe J Jonah Jameson. Do you remember that one narrating? I, I do. If I see, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. great one. It's been a while. So that so. was that was probably the best one. So right. this is obviously kind of a little bit of a return back to normalcy, I guess we'll say. So it's not spectacular, <laughs> but it's definitely. I thought it was okay. Yeah, um, I did too. Yeah, it was exciting to see the Punisher. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of him. Mm-hmm. But I, but I also want to comment. I was actually surprised how good the art was, considering how bad a reputation Al Milgram has. Um, GI Julie, have you had a chance to look through the art in this issue as we've been talking? Um, nope. Okay, <laughs> we. I just remember the cover and going, "Oh, I'm so tired of reading." But this is a cloak and dagger issue, and I just closed my laptop and went and made sushi instead. Whee. Okay, hmm. so well, okay. I guess, yeah, the cover's pretty good, but it's not really indicative of the insides, but... No, I mean, uh, I could look at it right now. Yeah, sure, you can look at it as we talk, and then you can we can come back to you in a few minutes. But um, Joshua Mervell, what did yeah. you think of this art by um, Al Milgram and Jim Mooney? I, it was pretty good. I think it... I think it would have worked if the tone felt darker, because there were definitely some more, like darker serious things happening but it felt like it didn't always match what was happening in the story um that's a good point like in particular um i can't i don't know what page this is but it's when peter first goes into the building with all of the um, dead like not dead bodies but sick bodies the, the thing is they're dead bodies though like, they look like, like later on, we see we see the bullet holes in the wall. Like, did the Punisher shoot them unlethally so they all got knocked out? Like, no, he killed them all, right? And right. and I, even even He's, so, what, the dialogue. Bullets, sorry, what was that? that? Sorry. 
Right, yeah, they, oh. they like, weirdly described it as, like, non-lethal bullets, right? Right. Which is kind of like a bullshit editorial right. vision and, made later. And like, they're obviously like, dead, yeah. It, like, okay, this this one guy in the foreground here, his mouth is open and his eyes are wide open. Like, he, there's no way he's just passed out. Like, he's he's dead. Right? Like, uh-huh. it just doesn't... It feels like the tone was supposed to be darker, and it was supposed to be this more serious story. And then later on, they had to tone down how dark it was and kind of edit themselves and be like, Oh, um, he, Peter says, looks like these junkies have been beaten to a pulp. And yep. this guy is... They're all laying there dead. Like it, it, Right. Yeah. Uh, they're all yeah. dead. The, the one guy... The, the one guy in the back is like sprawled out on the wall mm-hmm. like it's not it's not like when you fall down we're getting knocked out like he's he's done i mm-hmm. it just and then yeah, later on I, again with like the weird like half ass like oh yeah they're non lethal bullets with gas inside to knock them out like, <laughs> i don't ugh. you know what i actually saw a really funny tweet this week and it was something like we have to get over this idea in fiction that a hero can just hit a bad guy over the head and knock him out and then he'll be fine and wake up like a half hour later. Like that doesn't quite happen in real life. And this whole idea that Spider-Man comes into this room and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys laying there clearly dead. And he's like, looks like these junkies have been beaten to a pulp. Like, uh, did you check their pulse? You know what I mean? Like they're probably all dead. They're all corpses. And I'm wondering if the comics code authority got to it as well. Because it been. seems like an aftermath, and yeah, I think there's there just seems like yeah. some sloppy editing at the end with that, and that's a good point. And I forgot about that one too. I was looking at that last few pages and panels and going, "This no, they're dead. They don't look knocked out." And I think the same yeah. thing with with uh, showing Dagger in the the uh, just people didn't catch things. Like, I think when they're drawing it, when he's you know thinking of the girls in his life, why is Dagger there? There's just right. There's right. some sloppy things that just didn't get checked over again i think right. and i wonder if something yeah, on the editorial side of it said no we can't do that and then they just patched it up as fast as they could right yeah, could have been but then yeah. they forgot to patch up the bullet holes and the you know, <laughs> yeah. right and, and the open eyes <laughs> yeah. And... panel uh yeah yeah <laughs> well so i just want to jump to the art for a minute for so if you guys if you guys go to digital page 18 i think this big splash page with cloak and dagger and spidey is actually really good you know, like, that's a good shot. Um, and then the next page is great. You know, the next few pages are really Yeah, I didn't cool. mind the art overall. I, I, I think there were right. some really nice panels to it and, you know, and, and some, you know, flow. I mean, and I, I find that with a lot, even some of the <laughs> not-so-great artists in terms of detail. I mean, that was that whole Marvel way, you know, and how you did things, the dramaticness of it and the flow. And, and you know, they really did have to tell the story first visually before he can even narrate it, you know, that type of right. thing. So I could follow, and I always say that, you know, I've talked about this before, if I can open it up without words and then read the, or scan each panel and I can make sense of the story, then to me that's good visual storytelling for a comic book. And I, you know, I, I, th- I see that with all three of them. You know, I didn't mind any overall the artwork. I always found it was easy to follow for most part. Obviously there's a few panels you kind of question or things that maybe didn't get caught properly, but... Overall, I was I yeah I, I liked some of the the uh, artwork in it for sure. G.I. Julie, did you get a chance to scan through this issue? 
Oh, I sure did. Woo! What do you think? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, it's good. I like it. Um, but uh, again, like Kev was saying, there's discrepancies. Like mm-hmm. there always are going to be one or two panels that are kind of strange. But <laughs> what I wanted to kind of make, um, what I sort of have an issue with is that the only black man in this comic is as faceless as the everyman. Yeah. Um, yeah, point. you're right. Which is really mm. unnerving and annoying because Dagger is gorgeous. Like, and to be, she's like, there's enough detail there that we know that she, what, a monocle is part of her costume. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, we get nothing for the only, like, for the other cool character, the only black character mm-hmm. other than a criminal thug, like, drug addict. user, right? I, drug I user in the agree. comic. So. Like, uh, I mean, aside from the very distracting fact that every time you see Cloak and Dagger, they kind of are are very, like, Las Vegas illusionist, ma- illusion- illusionist magician posy. Like, they're really cool. They're really well done. But I'm going to, I'm, I have to point it out because it has to be pointed out. Like, you didn't want to put character into Cloak. Like, come on. Right, He's one right, of the good right. guys. That's terrifying. Uh, um, the I first thing Josh. that Spider-Man yeah. says, actually, to uh, Cloak is, "You're holding her hostage, aren't you?" Like he jump, he oh, jumps fuck. in and like is like, "Leave her alone. You're mm. you're making her, you're forcing her to do this, aren't you? You uh-huh. bad guy." Like it's just like, right? Well, right, uh, right. It just yeah, it felt oh, off man. reading it as well. Yeah, so this should never be republished ever. Um, and I see that we're reading a copy that hasn't been recolored, so thank God for that. Maybe it has been reprinted, but who knows, whatever. That's even more troubling because I haven't read the text that you bring that up, and it is. It's troubling and problematic, and I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> um, oh. I don't know, though. I, I actually think this is, especially compared to Marvel Team, of, like this is a fairly good comic, and even if there's issues with it as far as you know, Bill Mantlo trying to incorporate a black character into the story and he doesn't quite hit the mark. I still think it's a good attempt though. I still think this is a good comic. It's a good comic, but it should still be called out for it's, um, mm. not so thinly veiled racism. Yeah, that's definitely there. Unfortunately. Well, yeah, yeah like we can, we can say yeah. that it stands, it stood in, um, what was this? The eighties. So yeah, there's definitely like the war on drugs happening, but like, if we're going to talk about this comic, we have to talk about the fact that Spider-Man questions Cloak's motives. Right, right, like, right. That is just something that has to happen in this dialogue, and we would it would be irresponsible for the comic book syndicate slash the Spider cast not to address it because it's disgusting. Um, but anyway, back to the art. On a lighter note. Um, I agree with Josh. If the coloring was darker, uh-huh. it would have set a, mm, a moodier tone. Um, the coloring is not the best. So, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you about definitely calling attention to it. Because it's definitely important to note, uh, especially <laughs> going back and reading it. It's definitely a comic uh, of its time. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, it might be a good story, but it's definitely important to to point out um 
going off to uh, off of what you were saying with with the art, yeah, and um, talking about how having a more darker tone, like, it feels like that's what they wanted to do. The original appearance mm-hmm. of Cloak and Dagger was back, uh, I think, like a year before this, in eighty two, like I think, yeah. was their first appearance. And um, I think that I think that issue of Spectacular might be the my favorite one that we've read on the, the podcast so far. Um, that first appearance is very good. It was really I think good, number yeah. sixty four. Um, I, I remember because I went back and reread it because I like liked it so much. Oh, the really? Art, okay. The art was very dark. The story was intense. Um, we we don't really know for sure the motives. We're kind of left in the dark with peter parker uh when they're introduced uh even even by the end um we see uh cloak and dagger like like going up against these thugs that drugged them and and tortured them and kind of gave them their powers and uh uh by the end of it i think that they do end up killing the people that held them hostage and then they disappear and Peter Parker's just left there in the dark. And he's kind of like, it's, it's kind of almost like a cliffhanger, but um, more for more on like Peter's side where he doesn't really know what to do next. And that story doesn't continue until like issues later. Mm. Um, It it just has so much more weight and depth to it. And they've done it before in spectacular. I, I think that they were trying to do that again. And then maybe, the editors kind of came in and were like, well, maybe it's a little too dark. We want to bring this, you know, have it a little bit more light and fluffy because spectacular, spectacular back then was, I feel like the darker of the three comics. Uh, Amazing felt more classic. Marvel team up was their pop fun, you know, popcorn comic book to get everybody interested in reading all the other heroes. And then spectacular was the more dark gritty side of things. And more recently, amazing has kind of taken on the role of that like street level mafia story. And spectacular has <laughs> been kind of light and fluffy. And I feel like because cloak and dagger stories continuing in spectacular, they've had to kind of, Reevaluate how they're telling that story and make it more on that like light, light fluffy side, and I think that maybe that's why the story suffers so much. Uh-huh. Could be. I mean, we should point out that the first appearance of Cloak and Dagger that you read was also written by Bill Mantlo, mm-hmm. and he's also written this one. So maybe he's just sort of running out of ideas at this point. I don't know. Yeah, I could mean, be. but I, but I'm excited that he's brought Punisher into this just because I, I mean. I'm not a fan of 90s Punisher, but I'm definitely a fan of 80s Punisher. I want to see where the story goes. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. I will definitely recommend this issue just because I'm a big fan of this era of Spectacular. Um, Joshua Mervell, would you recommend this issue? Um, I Yeah, <laughs> I think I would. I think um, for the most part, it does work. I just think mm-hmm. that they're... There are some downfalls with it, and I don't think it's as like fleshed out as it could be. Right. Okay. Yeah. Kevin, are you going to spend sixty cents on this I, comic? Yeah, I would because again, just a fan of those characters and who's in it, and but also, uh, yeah, it's. I think it's just an. It starts that whole era of you know the cloak and dagger and Punisher. So to really get a context of the characters and how they developed and worked. I, I would recommend it for people to read, for sure. I just want to point out that in Canada, it was 75 cents. 
good point. And the UK, it was 25 pounds. It's 75. Okay, then I wouldn't. Yeah, this That's one insane. I would spend three quarters. Thank you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or so, 25p in the UK. Right. <laughs> so there you go. We had a little sampling of Spidey from 1983. Kevin, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Again, Kevin has read has read pretty much every Marvel comic from 61 to 91, I think. Um, up to about 2000, most of it. Yeah. Wow. Whew. I have to go back Whew. again. Impressed. <laughs> I know. I'm impressed. Um, I'd like to thank G.I. Jolie for coming back, and hopefully you'll be with us again next week. You're welcome. Hopefully <laughs> I will be. Awesome. I notice there's no amazing on the list of reads, so I'm a little miffed. Uh-oh. Well... Next week's going to be a little bit different, but we'll keep that as a surprise. And as always, I want to thank Joshua Mervell for being the co-host. And Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah, we, we also want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you like the podcast, it really helps when you leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Or you can drop us a comment or tweet. Uh, you can reach us over at, at @hctspidercast or at Comic Syndicate on Twitter. Or you can find us uh, at the Comic Book Syndicate pretty much anywhere else. Uh, we want to keep this conversation going. So, yeah, please keep in touch. Woo! All right. So, until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spidercast. All right. See you then. Ah!